Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church by Pastor Tim Lucas. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. Liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins. All right, let's say good morning, guys. Good to see you. Glad you're here. Welcome, New Brunswick, Nutley Church Online. Glad you are with us. Hey, some of you are involved in our 40-day Bible challenge. How many of you have been keeping up 40-day Bible challenge you've been through? You're in church, don't lie. Be honest. I know you may have fallen behind. It's okay, cool. Um, I'm glad you're involved. I've been impacted deeply. One of the things I notice is how often I read short passages of Scripture and like pull out a verse or two. And this reading, large sections of Scripture, we're getting this like, bird's eye view of God's sweeping story of redemption. It's been incredible. Like to see the early church, talk about like a church on fire. It's amazing. Um, And uh, I've loved it. And I want to encourage you, if you fall behind grace, remember we say faith is a journey, not a guilt trip. So jump back in tomorrow. If you're just joining us, we would love to give you a Bible to follow along, 40daybiblechallenge.com. You can download resources. Just jump on board. We're excited because we're Acts 29. In other words, the story doesn't end in the New Testament as God's church, as Jesus says, we join his mission to this broken world. So I'm excited you're here. I'm glad you're here, actually, for this current series, Follower. We've been making a distinction between fans of Jesus on the one hand and followers of Christ, people who like Christianity. You may be a casual kind of Christian. You grew up in a Christian home. And then there are those of us who are deciding to actually do what Jesus said, and that is carry our cross daily and follow Christ, making sacrifices. And this has been a powerful series. We have had dozens of people make the decision to update their status from fan and become a follower of Christ. Last week, in fact, we had people responding to the challenge of Luke 9, verse 23, where Jesus says, if you're going to come after me, you've got to deny yourself and what? Take up your cross daily and follow me. And that's, that's interesting because, in other words, it's not just about being saved. God forgives me. I get to go to heaven? Yes, that's the first half. The second half is now there's a price to pay. To be faithful to God, to actually walk in the spirit means you're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to deny yourself. And some people made some incredible sacrifices last week. Um, I have just a couple examples here. A guy named Carlos um, in our congregation who's out of work looking for a job very diligently. He was offered a job just before um, last Sunday. He was offered a job at a store that sells porn magazines and alcohol and stuff. And after Sunday service, he said, I felt like God's spirit was, was convicting me actually not to take the job and trust that God is going to have something better. And let me tell you something. When you are out of work in this economy and the bills are mounting and you choose to wait on God, God, that, that is awesome. God bless you, Carlos. Can we hear it for you, man? That is awesome, man. I believe God's going to honor you for that choice. Another couple in our congregation, young couple, they're in a relationship moving towards marriage, which is awesome. Most of their friends, they actually talked to us after they're like, most of them are living together. And we were discussing that this week about moving in together. And they said, but actually, we're realizing we're going to carry our cross and we're going to prioritize our purity before God over our desire to be one an- with one another. And so they decided not to move in together. That's like a miracle in our culture, okay? I don't want to underestimate that. That is a huge sacrifice. They're prioritizing intimacy with Christ above their intimacy with each other. Do you think God's going to honor that in their marriage? That is awesome. Praise God for you, man. I love it. People are resisting temptation. They're, 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 they're God's healing relationships. We see, I see God's fingerprints all over the place in you guys. And um, as people deny themselves, you're going to find something. 
um, when you start walking in the direction of the cross faithfully with Jesus, he's going to ask you to do things that scare you. He's going to ask you to step out of your comfort zone and do things that may not make sense in the eyes of the world um, and then trust him actually in a new way because you see that out of the love, what he sacrificed for you, and you're like, you know what? For me to deny myself in this area, I'm going to trust that he can bless that. That's the Christian life, folks. The Christian life is one of joy, but it comes through denial. You will experience God's power in your life as you expose the weak spots in your soul, which is why you desperately need the Holy Spirit. That's what I want to talk about today, how none of this is possible without the Holy Spirit active and alive and living through you. Do you believe that? This is a key distinction. I want to challenge you on this because fans often mistake a gospel of self-improvement for the real deal. What I mean by that is some people think the good news is, hey, God forgives you. Now you better try really, really hard to obey the rules. You better make some cosmetic changes to your life. Stop swearing or cursing or living with each other. And you know what people do? They go, they go okay, I'm going to do that. I'm going to sacrifice something for a season. But because they do it out of their own strength and willpower, there is no long-term impact. And eventually they get frustrated or they compromise and go back to their old ways. That's not the good news. That's what fans do. Followers are not about self-improvement. They are about spirit empowerment. You realize as a follower that without the Holy Spirit, you can do nothing of lasting value. Amen? It's the opposite of Nike. Just do it. The, the message is, I can't do anything. It ain't possible. You will actually lose interest. You will waver at some point. And if it's based on your own flesh, you'll get tired and at some point frustrated and disillusioned trying to please God. And that's why Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. He wants to supernaturally empower you as a follower of Jesus so that your life can change and then a changed life can change the world. That's exactly what happens in the New Testament. And I want to ask you to open your Bible to the book of Acts. Can we do that? All our campuses, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts in the New Testament. This is the operating manual for how the Holy Spirit is supposed to work in the lives of Christ followers. So as you open to Acts, a little bit of background, you might know this, but after Jesus was crucified, why? My sin, your sin. He's crucified on a cross, sacrificed in our place. He's raised to life by the Spirit of God. But then, before Jesus returns to heaven, he spent 40 days teaching his disciples in person. Did you know that? Jesus spent over a month actually teaching the disciples after his resurrection. And generally, in my book, when somebody rises from the dead to tell you something, it's pretty important, okay? So this is a little hint in on what Jesus taught them during those 40 days. Acts 1, verse 4, it says this. On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with the followers, he gave them this command. Don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will, let's read this together, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Just stop there, because honestly, the disciples probably had no clue what that meant. I mean, when you hear the word baptism, you generally think, you know, like, what, is water going to pour out of heaven? No, just the opposite, fire. Uh, This is where it gets a little crazy in the Bible, Acts chapter 2. We're going to read the birth of the church and the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So just buckle up a minute, okay? Start at verse 1. It says this, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. By the way, you know what Pentecost is? Pentecost was just a religious festival in Jerusalem. It was like Thanksgiving. 
People came from all over the Middle East. They were bringing their first crops of their fruits. So to honor God, it was like Thanksgiving. And here's a key. It was held 50 days after Passover. So Jesus is crucified, 50 days, Pentecost. This festival is happening. Here's what happens. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a what? A violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Wait, they saw what seemed to be what? Tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Again, this is kind of crazy because we associate baptism with water, but the early church was baptized in what? Fire. Imagine you decided to visit their church on that day, right? Guy gets up, hey, welcome to church, everybody. Going to give you the announcements. His head catches on fire. Hers is on fire. Yours is on fire. Now, that would be a sight. You know they changed worship that day. They started singing Alicia Keys. This church is on fire! You, know, you like that? Oh, you like that? Like, you want to see more of the preachers singing? No, you don't want to see more of that. I'm serious. Have you ever been in a church where people are on fire for Christ? I, I, know, I know I had a, like a blowtorch up here the other week, and I do use Aquanet. It's like, watch out. This has spiritual significance. You see, all throughout Scripture, fire symbolized the purifying presence of God. This is a picture of God burning away all the sinful elements and the pride in these followers' lives. He ignites the flame of the Holy Spirit in their heart. They actually feel the warmth of the Father. In other words, you move from judgment from God to his unconditional love. He loves you. You're my son. You're my daughter. And you, I'm well pleased. I see Jesus in you. Dude, when that hits your heart... Watch out. It reverberates. And what happens here is really very interesting because you look at it and it says, um, you know, they were, they were the tongues of fire. Some of people like, they're like, okay, is this where tongue starts? I'm going to explain what this means. This is a kind of a miraculous outpouring of supernatural power. And the church was never the same after this. Look at verse four. It says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Have you heard of speaking in tongues? Okay, I want to clarify what this means, because generally speaking, there's a lot of misunderstanding about there. Uh, A lot of people think, oh, that's speaking in tongues. That's where people, like, talk like gibberish, right? It's like David Lee Roth. That's not it. (laughs) Speaking in tongues is not gibberish. That's a stereotype. Here in Acts, tongues are foreign languages. See, at Pentecost, the city was flooded with foreigners from distant lands. Other races, other nationalities flooded the city. It was like the Olympics were being held here. And all of a sudden, when the Spirit pours out, the disciples begin speaking different tongues, different dialects. Look at verses 5 through 11. You can see the list of the, of the languages and lands that people came from. It says Cretans and Arabs and Egyptians. And, and it's, in other words, it looks at what it says. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own what? Tongues, and it's the opposite of gibberish. They're speaking with clarity and power about Jesus Christ in our own language. What is this? There's about 120 disciples at this point, and these thousands of people start hearing this, and it's weird because I know they're Galilean. Galilean was synonymous with hick. Like, they're uneducated. These guys watch NASCAR, and now they're speaking Coptic. I don't get it. How do they do this? Ah, amazed and perplexed. They asked one another, what does this mean? Que pasa? Mamma mia. I want you to imagine right now your shock if I started all of a sudden preaching in Korean. Anyang, haseyo. You'd be like, what is going on? Is this Gangnam style, man? What is happening? 
This is a supernatural event, guys, in Christian history. The church of Jesus is being birthed and it's being baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit and speaking the message of the gospel with a clarity and power that people couldn't explain, but they understood it. And although this was the first century, there's a sense, guys, that this is supposed to be the new normal in every church that is filled with God's Holy Spirit. I don't mean that people stand up and start talking crazy. The Bible says that God's spirit brings clarity. It brings unity, not confusion and disorder to the gospel. But a spirit-filled church should experience fresh wind. I hope you experience that. Like when I was praying this morning, I was like, Lord, let them just actually sense your presence. They may not see you, but the spirit blows. In other words, you can feel, you can sense God's presence. I hope you feel that when we gather for worship. There should be fresh fire. In other words, there's a spark there. It's not just him getting excited about stuff. Something's happening. There's dynamite, dunamis. That's power going on in his heart. And I can feel it coming from the people too. There's a sense of warmth and love that they have for me that they don't judge me. They, 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 that's the, the love of Christ coming out of you. There's a fire in their belly to share the gospel. And then clarity in the preaching. There's uncommon clarity about the gospel message and the power of Christ to bring new life. People start understanding that God isn't just like, oh, just I love it. To be forgiven, you must first repent. To follow Jesus, you actually have to make a sacrifice and pick up your cross. And I've often wondered about our church, like, do people look at liquid that way? Do they look at our church and say, man, that church is on fire, (laughs) you know? Or is it all explainable? Like, Ah, uh, there's got to be an explanation for this. I get it. Well, you know, they got a band, and you know, some, you know, Tim's a funny dude. I get why people come. People are always looking for human excuses to explain away the Holy Spirit. Do you feel that loud shaking in our worship? Yeah, it's the speakers. They're too loud again. You know, you laugh, but this was happening in the first century. Look at verse 13. This is great. Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much what? Too much wine. In other words, oh, I see why you call it liquid church. Rah. They're getting schnockered. This is hilarious. This is the Bible, right? It's amazing. And this is, look at verse 15. Peter actually responds. He goes, no, these men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. In other words, he's like, guys, it's the 9 a.m. service, okay? Starbucks, yes. Heineken, no. You know, it's kind of like, Peter says, what you're seeing, now read with this, 17, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on who? On All people, keep reading, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'm going to pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. You know what prophesy means? It means to preach or tell people passionately about new life in Christ. you got power in your bones. And the Bible says, in the last days is another way of saying, from now on, from now on, this is the new normal. A spirit-filled church full of spirit-filled followers. I'll be honest. The more I read the New Testament, the early church is almost impossible to imagine without the Holy Spirit. And today, you can step into a lot of churches, though, and say, Spirit, the Spirit has left the building. (laughs) You're kind of like, I don't don't really, I don't mean just kind of feeling, and I just want to acknowledge this. Right now, some of you, you have little, you know, warning flags going off. Because if you're a fan, talking about the Holy Spirit may freak you out a little bit. When you hear spirit-filled, you're like, oh, my radar's going off here. Because most people, like, you're comfortable talking about God and Jesus. But the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Ghost, a little bit like Uncle Eddie from Christmas Vacation. 
You don't know what he's going to say or what he's going to do when he shows up. Anyone have an Uncle Eddie in your family? The guy you're like, you don't know what to do with at the, at, the, at the dinner table. Let me be very clear about something. Let me be clear. You cannot follow Jesus Christ faithfully until you are filled with his spirit fully, overflowing with the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit is absolutely necessary if you're going to walk in the newness of life that God has for you. Do you believe that? See, right now, your internal reaction is revealing. Because in a room like this, all our campuses, I found that people often come from two types of religious backgrounds. I have told you about how I grew up in a church kind of full of what I call the frozen chosen. Uh, If you are Presbyterian or Catholic or Brethren or Lutheran, whatever, you recognize this. Everything was predictable growing up. For the first 15 years, I knew what happened on Sunday morning. It was like clockwork. We're going to sing two songs. It's always going to be the first, third, and fifth verse. And then there's going to be an offering, then the pastoral prayer, then a 33-minute sermon. Not 31, not 29, 33. Stand up, sit down, pop a mint into the parking lot. Like, did you feel the spirit moving? People are like, what? You you didn't feel that? You didn't feel the wind in here? What, did someone fart? I didn't feel anything, man. First 20 years, honestly, I was just like, we didn't expect, we're the frozen chosen. Now, here's why. Listen, I joke about that, but this is significant. I grew up in a very, with, with a very sterile, cerebral rationalistic approach to faith. We, we were very suspicious of anything experiential, especially emotion. We weren't quite cessationists saying that, oh, spiritual gifts don't work anymore. But we didn't honestly have any expectation that God was going to be present and maybe move with power on any given Sunday. And then I met my wife, uh, who was part of another kind of church that I call the Happy Clappy, okay? <laughs> she attended a Pentecostal storefront church in the Bronx, And the moment I stepped in there with my little suit and tie, I was not in Kansas anymore. They got tambourines. They got got some lady waving a flag up there. The guy, the worship leader singing out of key. No one cares. It's like, what is happening? The sermon keeps going. Preacher didn't have a watch. And the weirdest thing was, there's this guy sitting in the front row. My first time there. And every time the preacher said the word joy, he would stand up and go, crazy. This is like a circus. And he says, but I'm going to give an invitation right now because some of you are going to have your lives changed. And four people come down the aisle from the street because they leave the door open. They were standing out in the street. They're listening. They gave him bread and food. And they come down and say, I want new life in Jesus. He's like, fill the baptismal. Everyone just chill out. We're going to dunk some people. <laughs> what the? I couldn't believe. How many of you come from a happy, clappy, Pentecostal back? Shake your tambourine. Come on. Go ahead. Do it. Okay. How many... Show of hands, how many of you come from Frozen Chosen? You identify. Oh, you're raising your hands. I got you. I love it. You're raising your hands up. That's part of the Frozen Chosen. If the song touched you, you couldn't raise your hands above your belt. It was like a force field. No. That's it. Guys, at Liquid, let me be very clear with you about the unique vision God's given us as a church. At Liquid, we want the best of both worlds. We want to love God with all of our mind and our heart. That means our intellect as well as our passion. But we also want to believe as a church that on any given Sunday, God has permission to break through in this place. Amen? He doesn't need your permission. (laughs) But our name is liquid, and we don't want to quench the spirit. We're, We're going to expect that God wants to pour himself out on young and old. You all have a role to play. Men and women in powerful ways, because that's what the early church experienced here. Look at the bold preaching. I love this. Peter gives the first sermon about new life in Christ. He said, hey, you murdered Jesus, 
But God raised this Jesus to life, and we're all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God the Father, he's received the promised Holy Spirit who's poured out what you now see and hear. He, this is the same guy who denied Jesus three times because a little girl said, you were with him, weren't you? No, not me. He stands up in front of 12,000 people and he says, you got to be born again. You murdered Jesus. It was your sins that nailed him. But he's going to bring you back to life right now and fill you with his spirit. And there's a mass conversion. You talk about an effective altar call. Look at verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized in about how many? 3,000 were added to their number that day. Boom! The thing blows up. It goes viral. It's like instant mega church. And there's signs and there's wonders and there's miracles. People are healed. It's crazy. You guys read this. It shows God's power to heal broken lives. And to me, the most touching thing was this outpouring of compassion in verse 45. Look at this. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. In other words, because they were so overflowing with the love and grace, the generosity of God's love and power, they pooled what they had and gave to the poor. You talk about a church on fire. That would be like at the end of this service, someone coming up to me and saying, you know, uh, that guy Carlos, who doesn't have money to pay his bills, he gave up that job. Here, here are the keys to my Lexus. You sell it and you give it to his family because we're one in Christ. And anything I have is his. What? Who does that? That's the supernatural power of God. Bold preaching, radical generosity, supernatural strength, a fire in the belly. See, guys, Jesus didn't promise the Holy Spirit to start a service on Sunday for an hour. He came to ignite a movement to change the world. Amen? This is a global... They wiped out poverty. Gosh, Followers were persecuted because people are like, they're out of their mind. They're scattered from Jerusalem across Asia, Greece, India. They make it all the way to the heart of the Roman Empire. And there's this organic movement of God empowered by the flame of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know this this morning. Whatever background you come from, those are your roots. I don't care if you come from a Baptist church. I don't care if you come from assemblies. I don't care. That's the church you come from. That is our history as a church. You come from a long line of spirit-filled followers who counted the cost and they surrendered everything to give their lives to something bigger than themselves. And guys, in their lifetime, they experienced a movement of God. Who wants to be part of that? Because I, I believe we're like experiencing a little taste of that right now here at Liquid. Just, just in, in, in a, in, there's been, for me, a palpable sense of God's spirit at work the last couple of weeks particularly. We've had over 110 new believers commit their lives to Jesus Christ. Is that amazing? That's incredible. I praise God for you. Welcome you to the family. I asked one, I asked one family, like, how did you get here? And they said, well, we weren't going to come, but our little daughter, her friend invited her, and we said, well, we got to go see what they're talking about. We heard the message of salvation. They were saved, and now their entire family is serving together. That's amazing to me. And it puts my faith to shame. I'm embarrassed by this, but look at this. Verse 47, it says, The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I'll be honest. At the start of this 40-day Bible challenge, I read that verse and I thought, wouldn't that be cool to have 40 people decide to follow Jesus by Easter over 40 days? (gasps) Spirit's like, no, how about 140? Because I can do, and I'm learning this, guys. I'm like, praise God. 
God can do in a moment through his spirit what it would take you and I weeks or months to do, years in our flesh. He can do that in your family. He can do that in your marriage where there's broken relationships. God can do in that moment the Holy Spirit by an act of his power. Praise God. That's what spirit empowerment is about. It's this quickening of a, of a church's spirit, of a believer's spirit, as Christ begins working through them because they're so surrendered. Guys, this is a special season in our church's life. I see fingerprints of the spirit all over you guys, all right? But I want to give you a close-up this morning of it in one new follower of Jesus, my friend Steve. Steve attends our New Brunswick campus, and lest you think this could only happen way back when, first century, I want you to witness the power of the Holy Spirit to reach in and change a sinner's life in a moment. I guess my testimony starts back in 2008. I was working on Wall Street, and um, I was an up-and-comer. I was doing very well for myself, and uh, greed got the best of me. The deals that I did on Wall Street were on the black end of the moral spectrum, and I was charged with multiple felonies, uh, all the way up to Class A felony, first degree, money laundering. I went into court, I thought that I had everything settled, you know, and thought that, you know what, Steve, you're going to get away with this. You got it. You know, worst comes to worst, you'll do some probation time, we'll be fine. And then the judge said, you know, we want you to do 25 years. What, did I kill somebody? Little did I know, I, in fact, I did. Myself. Not only that, but all the other people around me that my crime affected. So I sat there uh, alone one night in my cell, and, and um, I prayed to God, and I hadn't prayed to him in a while. I didn't hear anything. And then the following morning, I got a call from the... Uh, from the corrections officer that's on duty. I said, Steve, your parents are here to see you. Come on downstairs. But I'm sitting there, and I'm in my uh, green jumpsuit, and my father's crying. And mind you, I, I've never seen my father cry. And I said, Dad, why are you crying? And he looked at me dead in the eye and said, Son, the reason why I'm crying is not because you're in here but it's because now I know how it feels when a son sins against God. There's, there's not a sentence in the world that could have hit me any harder than that. Uh, I walked away from that meeting uh, with my parents and I walked into my jail cell. The door slammed shut and I collapsed onto the floor and I cried until finally I said these words. I said, God, God I surrender. I give up. You win. And then I fell asleep right there because I just couldn't take it anymore. And uh, for some reason, I had peace. That's the peace that is described in Philippians 4, 7. Is that you just present, with prayer and supplication, present your request to the Lord. You will have the peace of Christ Jesus. And that's how it's been up to this day. So the day I asked to go home, he said, no, I got something better for you. You know what? He did. He sent me home exactly on the day that I was supposed to be. I came home and I met my wife. We're expecting a son in the beginning of January. God has been blessing us in so many ways that I could have never thought possible three years ago, sitting in a six by eight cell. God still works miracles today. That's a picture of Steve, his wife Jennifer, and his baby boy Zion, born this past January. Does the Spirit of God still work powerfully today to take an old life, and say, by the power of Jesus Christ, it is dead. I am canceling your sins, and I am freeing you. And I'm going to give you my spirit in a brand new start. 
Guys, people in this church are coming to faith in Christ out of prison, out of addictions, out of divorce, out of broken marriages. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts, then he converts, and then he heals, where you change your old life for new. And here's the deal. If, you're like, if you've come like to this church from a different church, hey, welcome, glad you're visiting, but we're not after you. We're after new followers, new converts to the way of Jesus, like the Apostle Paul, like my friend Steve, who are going one way in life, but they get knocked down and they're confronted with Jesus who actually says, I don't condemn you. I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to fill you with my spirit. I'm going to give you a brand new start. Guys, that's how God grows a spirit-filled church. I thank God for people like Steve because he's a reminder in our midst that the church is not a museum for saints. It's a hospital for sinners like me like you, who need the Holy Spirit activated in our life today. That's where the book of Acts comes from. Did you know that? Where's the name Acts come from? As a kid, I always thought the book of Acts was spelled A-X-E, like it's going to be this Acts murderer in there or something like that. It's the book of A-C-T, Acts. It comes from the word activities. In other words, here are the actions of the followers of Jesus once the Holy Spirit was activated in their life. Get ready, buckle up. Here's the activities. In other words, The same Holy Spirit in them is supernaturally available to strengthen you today for whatever you're facing, but you have to activate the Spirit if you want to operate in grace and power like the early followers. So let me just be very clear about how this works because there is confusion. When you put your faith in in Jesus, you, you repent from your sin, you say, Jesus, you died for me in my place. I receive that. I'm sorry. And I receive your resurrection life. When you put your trust in that moment of decision, the Bible says you receive the Holy Spirit. You get the gift of the Holy Spirit. In other words, those hundred people who received Christ last week, you have the same spirit in you that I have in me, that others have who are miles in the journey, okay? Some traditions teach that happens later, like there's a second baptism in the Spirit. But I believe the Bible makes very clear the moment you trust in Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. It's the seal of God. It's the deposit on your life guaranteeing eternal life. So there's no second-class Christians, okay? I don't ever want any here of that, like, well, you know, Mike's got a lot of the Spirit, but uh, oh, Dave, not so sure, you know? You all have the Spirit of God living in you right now. Now think about this. Romans 8 says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives where? Say it together. Lives in you. Say it one more time. Lives in you. This is remarkable. In the first half of the Bible, the Old Testament, every single example of the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God came on somebody, not in them, on them. The the Spirit came on Moses. The Spirit came on Elijah, on David, okay? But there's a change here in the New Testament. Jesus says, when I leave, it's not going to be the Spirit on you, that my Spirit's going to be where? In all of you. In other words, you ever wonder why Jesus says, it's better for you if I go away and send the Spirit? You're like, why? I'd rather have face-to-face. Jesus is like, because I'm face-to-face with 12 of you, but when I send the Holy Spirit, he's going to be in all of you. The disciples are like, in us? In you. In Mike and Taryn? Yeah. So the question is never, well, how much of the Holy Spirit do you have? The question is, how much does the Holy Spirit have of you? How much of you is available to be filled with the Spirit? Because every single person in this room, in this church, has the same exact Spirit poured out in Acts, but many of us have failed to activate it. It, it, it's like this. It's like this debit card. I've got a debit card. Take a look at this. Don't look too close. I don't want you to see the numbers, all right? My debit card ran out like a couple months ago. So the bank sends me an envelope with my new debit card, right? So I get, oh, there it is. It's expired. And I open up the envelope. 
But my debit card comes with this little sticker across it. It says, in order to what? Activate this card, call 1-800-blah-blah-blah-blah-blah-blah. It's the same way with the Holy Spirit. When I receive this card, I have all the purchasing power that's in my account. It's all there. But can I access it? No. It's not till I peel off the sticker and activate it. Then I can draw on all the riches. It's the same with the Spirit. In Christ positionally, you have access to all the riches and the power of the God Almighty. It's yours. It's yours in Christ. But if you don't peel off the sticker, you can't draw on its power. You have to consciously activate that power. Otherwise, you'll be operating in the flesh, and you will get tired and burnt out and eventually disillusioned. That's the difference between a religion of self-improvement, try harder, and spirit empowerment. Pull off the sticker. The gospel is not like God's version of Lowe's. Do it yourself. Now that Jesus saved you, start reading some books, join the study, get disciplined. You can follow Jesus. You can't follow Jesus. You can't. See, this is a little bit of a trick. Follow Jesus. Okay, you can. What? (laughs) I'm serious. Do you really feel, think of your deepest pain right now. You really feel like you have in your heart to forgive your ex from your heart. I was talking to someone after the last service, and they were like, my family's in tatters. They're like, there's such hardness of heart, and there's resentment, and there's estrangement, and Tim, I, we can't, I don't know what to do. That's why you need the Holy Spirit. Only the Spirit of Jesus who says, Father, forgive them, can give you the words and the heart posture to actually forgive from the heart. Those of you struggling with addiction, you think you're going to beat that in your own willpower? How's that going for you? Not so much. You need the spirit of the living God to declare freedom in there and blow it apart. See, if you are depending on, the, on your own strength to follow Christ, you will eventually be drained and defeated. But followers understand the secret. Following Christ was never meant to be done alone. Instead, you are to stay in step with the Holy Spirit who will give you strength and power day by day as you draw on him in prayer, as you access by faith to walk in power and do things you can't humanly do. My sense this morning in this church is that there are many of you who have received your card, but it's been sitting in your back pocket with the sticker on for a while. Maybe like me, you received Christ a while ago in your heart, but you haven't accessed that gift of the Holy Spirit in a long time. Some of you have been sitting in there for years, honestly, just kind of like an uncashed check. And so what we do is we kind of limp along, hoping I'm, I'm pleasing God, but not realizing you got the power of the resurrection inside of your heart. So how do you activate? How do you pull off the sticker? I'm very glad you asked. The answer is right here in verse 38. They say to Peter, what must we do? And what does Peter say? Let's read this out loud. Big, loud voice, all our campuses. Ready? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The first step to new life is to repent. The second step is to what? Be baptized. Who? Every one of you. If you want more of the Holy Spirit, here's a very practical step you can take this spring. Get baptized. In this church, in a few weeks on Palm Sunday, we are having baptism on March 24th. And some of you have never taken the step of publicly identifying your faith in Christ. That, I think, may be one of the reasons you have a power outage. I'll just be honest with you. See, from the beginning of God's word, baptism has been one of God's chosen symbols to activate the Holy Spirit's power in the life of sincere followers. If you've ever witnessed um, 
baptisms live here at Liquid, you know they can, they're very powerful affairs because you watch these people who are going under the water saying, I'm being buried, I'm dying like Jesus did to my old life of sin, and I'm being raised to life, a new creation, I'm set free, I'm forgiven. And that decision to be baptized, it changed Steve's life forever. The reason why I want to get baptized now is going back two years ago, uh, right before I was about to leave prison, we had an unbelievable prison chapel. And I had asked the pastor to baptize me. And the pastor said, no, Steve, go home, find a church that is your family. And I came home, I came here to Liquid, and here I am. And that's the reason why I want to get baptized, because this is my family now. And I want to be baptized into this church to proclaim not only that Liquid is my home church, not only that I'm a born-again Christian, but to show you that Christ is in me. And if I can be saved by the grace of God, this wretched person, how much more can you be saved? You know, you've done some things in your past you're not proud of, but guess what? Welcome to the club, man. <laughs> you've, uh, you've been in an external prison. You've been in an internal prison, too. But look what it says on your shirt. You're free, man. I'm you free. are free. I'm free. Because of your profession of faith. And as you say, that is your liquid family out there that is cheering you on. And so because of your profession of faith and having placed your trust in Jesus Christ, we baptize now you in the name of the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Can we hear it for people taking new steps of faith? That's new life in Christ. That's going to be some of you. That's going to be some of you on Palm Sunday, okay? This is your next step in following Christ. If you want to experience more of God's Spirit, you want to go deeper, you simply follow God's Word. In fact, let's just read this out loud together. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Be baptized on Palm Sunday. Jesus himself gives that command, and he shows how to do it. Jesus himself was baptized. When he was 30 years old, he goes under the water, and when he came back up, what came out of heaven? The Holy Spirit like a dove. In other words, he was empowered for supernatural ministry for the rest of his life. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to live a sinless life in this world, you think you might? You think? Get baptized. Today, guys, I'm convinced it's one of the defining moments in a Christ follower's life um, where the Holy Spirit is present in a very unique way. It's not like you get a different spirit, but I think something internal happens when you go down into the water in front of people and say, I'm identifying with Jesus. I'm being buried to my sin. I'm being raised to a new life in Christ. Give me the Holy Spirit. You are set free, set free to walk in the power of the Spirit. So here's the thing, guys. Even if you've been baptized as a child, I just want to challenge you to get baptized as an adult. I want to be clear about that. Some people say, well, I got sprinkled when I was three years old. You know, should I do that again? Here's the deal. That doesn't, that's a beautiful thing. That does not negate or diminish what your parents did for you. If your parents had you baptized as an infant, that's, that's their, their showing their love and concern for your spiritual well-being. That's great. Your decision to get baptized as an adult doesn't take away or diminish that. But if you are really want to make this faith your own, where you're like, you know what, Tim? I'm starting to get the gospel. I get grace. I get the cross. That was, that was my sins that nailed him to the cross. You don't get that when you're three years old. You grasp the grace and the spirit. This could be a huge spiritual catalyst for you. The message of Acts is that sometimes fire begins with water. So if you're a fan 
who's ready to become a follower of Christ, I want you to do what he commands. Repent and be baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's a promise for every one of you. There's a baptism booth in the lobby this morning that I want to ask some of you to go to and pick up a baptism bag. Take that. You could sign up today if you know that's your next step. If you want to think about it a little bit, awesome. Take a bag. There's a CD in here called Sprinkle, Dip, or Dunk. What's the deal with baptism? All right? So you think about this and throw it through. But remember this, guys. We're going to give you invitations because we believe your family and your friends who come, they're going to experience the message of Jesus through you, through your life. Amen? God doesn't want churches full of people. He wants people full of the Holy Spirit. That's what the world needs. Let's stand together. Would you do that? Come on, stand on up, liquid. I'm going to close this in prayer. I want to do something a little bit different this morning. My guess is there are people who are here today who you are not a new believer. You made a decision a while ago, but you feel like the flame has gone out. Even this morning, you're feeling a little bit of hunger because I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, and you're like, man, I... you can remember that. But it's a distant memory. You're like, I want more of that Holy Spirit. I need to be refilled. Do you know why I need to be filled every day? Because we leak. <laughs> I leak. I need to spend two hours on Sunday morning just to get in the, the, the humility and the posture to be able to serve you. And you need the Holy Spirit. But God can do today, in this moment, something that would take you years in your flesh to do. So I want, I want you to do this. If you want more of the Holy Spirit, just to be filled in a fresh way, would you just put your hands out, open them up? Open hands. Go ahead. I'm not going to get freaky deaky. Don't worry. It's all right. I'm just going to pray. We're going to pray. Just close your eyes. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit just to come. Spirit, come. I thank you, Lord, right now for your love for your children, Lord. They are struggling with things today that we can't touch in the human realm, but in the supernatural realm. I just ask right now that your Holy Spirit would be released in this church on young and old, on men and women right now. Keep your hands open. Some of you just need to know this, how much your father loves you. God is your father. Jesus says if your earthly fathers know how to give you a good gift, how much more will your father in heaven give the gift of the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So you just ask him right now. Open your hands and just expect to receive something. Why don't you just pray these words out loud with me? Just If you want more of the Spirit, just pray with me these words. I repent, Jesus of my disbelief, of my pride, less of me, more of you. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, I pray right now, we just welcome your spirit here right now. Spirit, fall. Fall on your people, God. I pray for people right now who are burdened with anxiety and turmoil. Would you just pour out your peace of the Holy Spirit on them, Lord, in their heart right now? Praise Jesus. I pray for people whose families are falling apart or marriages. We just ask right now by the power of Jesus that you'll heal them. Heal those families, God. Lord, more, Father, more of you, Spirit. Have all of us, Lord, I surrender the church to you. It's your, it's your church, Spirit. More of you, Lord. Would you reveal your love to your children right now, Father? In Jesus' name. Amen.
Thanks for listening to Liquid Church Media. If you were inspired or challenged by today's message, we hope you'll tell a friend. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.